Welcome back to Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers, the podcast devoted to exploring the frontiers of psychedelic medicine and what it takes to cultivate a healthy mind, body, and spirit. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Steve Thayer. Today, my co-host, Dr. Reed Robison, and I are joined by Jeremiah Robison to talk about work-life balance. Jeremiah is the founder and CEO of Shroom Beach, a psychedelic-inspired clothing company that donates 10% of its profits to fund psychedelic medicine research. And as you may have surmised from his last name, Jer is also Reed's younger brother. In this episode, we discuss Jer's journey as an entrepreneur and business leader and explore how his experiences with psychedelics have influenced this journey. We talk about the struggles to create balance between work and other life areas. I really enjoyed having Jer on the show. He's a sincere, thoughtful, compassionate guy, and I'm glad he's my friend. All right, skip ahead if you don't want to listen to me ask you to rate and share the podcast. And to those of you who didn't skip ahead, blessings be upon you. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Like the video on YouTube. Share it with a friend. It helps us out a lot. Without further delay, enjoy this episode with Jeremiah Robison. Welcome back to Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers. We are here with... Howdy. Dr. Reed Robinson. How are you doing, Reed? Great. Thanks. Awesome. I'm Steve Thayer. And a special guest today, Jeremiah Robinson. If you recognize Hello. the last name, it's because he's Reed's brother. <laughs> yep. Hello, Hello, brother. brother. <laughs> so today we thought we'd talk with, with Jer here, we, we would talk a little bit about uh, work-life balance and entrepreneurship, what it's like to be a business owner in today's day and age. Um, since the name of our podcast is psychedelic therapy frontiers, uh, and between the three of us, we have some experience in, on that topic of psychedelics. We might talk a little bit about, uh, how psychedelic experiences has helped informed entrepreneurial journeys. Does that sound okay, gentlemen? I like it. Sounds good. Well, Jerry, why don't you introduce yourself and give the audience some context? Okay, my name is Jeremiah Robison. You want me to look at the camera? Does it matter? Well, it doesn't for this? matter. Just okay. anywhere we can right. converse look with at each us. other. Yeah. Right. Well, like Reed said, I'm his little brother, and uh, I don't know how much you want me to go into detail, but I'll just kind of start with my entrepreneurial journey. Um, I started my first business around 2009, kind of after the economic crisis. It was almost out of necessity. Um, I used to sell houses, but that, I was struggling to do that, so. It just led me to take that leap of faith in the entrepreneurial world, and fortunately, it did work out for me. I had a lot of success, um, and yeah, also struggles with work-life balance. This is a great topic. Mm. Um, experienced some heavy burnout, a lot of anxiety and stress related to work, and the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship. And I feel like uh, over the past two or three years now, I've kind of reached somewhat of a breakthrough in the work-life balance, but almost to the opposite extreme, kind mm. of like, you know, the pendulum swung a little too far into the inner space. Um, super Zen. Super Zen. <laughs> and, you know, th there has been some decline in, in some of my businesses, but, you know, to me, it's been priceless, you know, th this experience going through my journey with plant medicine and meditation. Um, so yeah, let, let's dive into it. Is that enough of an intro? Do, do you want to add a little color of what your first business venture was that took off? I think it's a fun story. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you're talking about beloved shirts, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. My first clothing business, I've been in clothing for almost 10 years now. Uh, and it started with beloved shirts and 
Um, really, it wasn't even a business. It was more of an experimental kind of joke in the beginning. We were doing some really crazy t-shirts, sweatshirts with um, more of like a 3D all over print style to it. And yeah, it, it gained some traction. I remember, you know, first few months in, we we were featured on BuzzFeed for like the title was 30 sweatshirts you can actually buy because people didn't believe they could buy these. They were that shocking. So, <laughs> I mean, it worked out really well for us. Um, and then Shark Tank picked us up. I, I applied at the U to be on Shark Tank and and they invited me on to season seven, I believe. And yeah, we had a collaboration with Katy Perry, which was super fun. Wow. And yeah, lots of amazing experiences with that business. And it, it's not doing as well as it used to. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of knockoffs and it's, it's more of a, it's a tough space to be in beloved shirts. It's not so much, it is a brand, but it's more in the commodity space, like a lot of hype over ugly sweaters and certain things that people can copy pretty easily. So, oh yeah. I get ads on Instagram all the time yeah. for similar products. So yeah, that, that was the first, uh, you know, successful clothing business I've had. And I, I've since pivoted and into, uh, you know, more of a passion for me with clothing has always been with fit and fabric. And I have an active wear brand called Flex Living now that does really well. And then a third clothing store is called Shroom Beach. And that's the one you, you guys are probably more familiar with because yeah. um, it is in this space. It's psychedelic themed apparel. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my passions are put into the clothing and I love it. It's so fun. So if you've seen those uh, cloaks or pants or shirts that light up with a pattern of mushrooms or something like that under a flash uh, that's very likely a shroom beach piece of clothing yeah in fact i wrapped my car in a psychedelic mushroom print that kind of turns rainbow colored when the light hits it so it, it was just you know a business expense but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> do you get some fun reactions oh yeah a lot of positive reactions I, i'm kind of I don't notice them as much now because I've been driving it so much, but my kids do every time they ride with me, they, they get a kick out of it. The people pointing and yeah. I remember and the we... neighbors thinking I'm getting into trouble or something <laughs> up to something. Oh, know. judgment. Yeah. yeah. Some judgment. But... Yeah. I remember we were walking through Harmon's once it was, we were coming back from somewhere stopping for uh, a quick grocery run. You had your car. I had mine. I remember someone like kind of, speeding to catch up with you and say, Hey, is that your car? They just wanted to talk to you about that mushroom. <laughs> oh, print. Yeah. yeah. Some people that literally have no idea what psychedelic mushrooms are. They're just fascinated by it. They love the print and mm-hmm. the butterflies. It's kind of like an Alice in Wonderland feel to it. Right. So yeah, it, and it's a, it's a brand around psychedelics, right? So is, but is this a brand informed by how psychedelics have shaped you have changed you um yeah some of the art so some of them the designs on there are actually my own doodles that we put onto the shirts Mm. not all of them but yeah a lot of them come come to me in psychedelic journeys or maybe i've been listening to some alan watts lectures and there's a quote that jumped out at me i want to draw something surrounding that idea but for the most part it's it's honestly just a brand that's celebrating the overall psychedelic renaissance that's going on yeah. and we're setting aside 10 percent of our profits to donate to psychedelic institute and nonprofit um, in this space so yeah we're just excited to be a part of it and to celebrate and other people get excited and even have fun with what's going on right yeah. now you know so, you know, you, you started by kind of giving us a brief overview of your entrepreneurial journey, right? 
And this is something that I've noticed in other podcasts I've listened to or other entrepreneurs or business owners that I, that I follow online, um, that there's this transition or this, we'll just keep calling it a journey where they start out when they're younger and they're hustling, right? To be an entrepreneur is really, really hard. You mentioned the roller coaster. It's an emotional roller coaster of highs and lows. Um, and you gotta be really resilient, resilient to disappointment, to failure in order to make it as an entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. So there's this hustle culture, this drive. I, I, I need to, you know, grab the bull by the horns. Uh, I need to, you know, 20 hour or, 120 hour work weeks really need to put it in. I need to have goals. Um, I need to make the money. And so you've got this sort of drive culture, uh, goal setting culture. And then uh, you see a lot of these guys get into their guys and gals get into their thirties their late twenties and they're kind of burned out even if they're Mm -hmm. financially successful, right? By, by all metrics, they've made it. And then they find themselves unfulfilled. They've made it even if their businesses are, uh, you know, value centric and, um, there's a lot of meaning attached to their product or whatever it is. They can get, um, still, they can still feel kind of empty when they have quote unquote made it. So I see a lot of these folks get into psychedelics, these Austin and Silicon Valley mm-hmm. folks, and, uh, they discover meaning through their work in, in psychedelics and it, and it shifts, but not all of them sort of give up the entrepreneurial life. You mentioned that maybe your, your businesses, um, aren't as, would you say, successful? I don't know what word you would use since you've made this transition, but I'm just interested yeah. in that, that story arc. No, it's interesting. I, I said that, but when I look at the numbers, they have actually improved. Really? So, yeah, I, I guess what, it's funny, this goes back to kind of some shadows in me that of not good enough if I'm not doing enough, you know, like mm. feeling like I always should be doing something. You know, the biggest game changer for me with this transition into more mindfulness and stepping away from the hustle culture was just um, being able to delegate, you know, taking that leap of faith of delegating a lot of what I used to do and do all myself. It's not all Um, up to you anymore. Yeah, it's a game changer. You kind of surrender a little bit. You know, I was even seeing on my Instagram feed, there's a really cool graphic of uh, two spectrums. There was discipline and surrender. And in the middle is the what they call the flow state, Mm. the middle way. And that's what I'm trying to find right now. Cause I, like I said, I think I swung a little bit too deep into the surrender space. I even tattooed a lily on my arm thinking of how Jesus, you know, quoted, consider the lilies. They don't take thought for the morrow. It literally got to that point where I, I wasn't thinking anything of the future. Mm-hmm. And to a degree that can be a problem for a, an entrepreneur. Sure. Um, you know, I like to, a buddy of mine, he was, we were talking about planning our next year, sort of like goals, you know, thinking of moving into the next year. And I like his approach. He, he mentioned he likes to think of his goal setting or his next year more as a theme as opposed to a goal. He's, he's kind of seeing the overall theme of where mm-hmm. he wants to be next yeah. year, but not obsessing over so much planning and so much linear thinking of all these check yeah. boxes you have to go through. So I like, I like that. It's almost more of a manifestation or an energetic intention than setting up this specific bar that you need to hit or you fail. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, Because that can be a trap, but there's also something to be said about aiming your energy towards this place or like setting your sights in a certain direction, like, you know, feeling into your purpose and taking action. Yeah. yeah Cause 
it's going to be hard for me to articulate this. It's something I've thought a lot about, but I haven't like come up with a really clear way to articulate it. I, I don't know if they are inherently in, incompatible. And so by they, what I mean is this goal-oriented hustle-type approach to life, which mm-hmm. you know, if you hire a life coach, they're probably going to help you get clear on your goals, get clear on your why. Reed mm-hmm. and I did a, an episode on finding your purpose. We talked about some of these concepts. Mm-hmm. And really getting them clear and then all of the activities that you can muster need to be directed in that direction because otherwise you're just sort of going wherever the river takes you. Right? So there's that that concept. And then the other one that I'm wondering if it's compatible with is this sort of Buddhist, uh, psychedelically informed, um, surrender to the present moment, relinquish your attachment to outcomes mindset that we often talk about is probably more conducive to mental health than the other one. Certainly we could argue that point, but can they, is there a bridge between the two? Because it seems to me that the former maybe is better for the bottom line in your business, but maybe not. The former meaning goal oriented hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Really concrete about your objectives. Yeah. I mean, striving doesn't always result in, better performance or outcome, right? Yeah. Grasping too hard makes it harder to, to, uh, attain the thing, right? right? Like we've, we've talked about. So I think when Jer mentioned the middle way, mm-hmm. I think that is, uh, pointing at that balanced place of where, you know, the effort and ease meet. Like there's this, uh, idea in yoga of, that a, a given yoga pose has two components and they need to be balanced, uh, effort and ease. Mm. And, and it's, uh, you know, you're not trying too hard where you're wasting all your energy, but you're not like blowing over with the slightest bit of wind and face planting. Right. You know? So we recorded an episode a couple of weeks ago about the middle way. So, so now I'm, I'm, I like this read. It's, it's, I'm curious about the middle way applied to entrepreneurship and business. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I keep thinking of Ramdas how he he teaches quite a bit about the concept of being in the world but not of the world, being mm-hmm. form and formless, integrating the human experience back into his life after getting so high for so long and being what he considered maybe a holy man to to come back into his human. And I feel like that's starting to happen more as the pendulum swung far to that side. Um, I'm learning more how to come back into being a businessman, but with a different, it, hitting differently, you know, like your yeah. awareness is a little bit further behind that now and you're watching it kind of happen as opposed to being so sticky in it and consumed by the hustle culture and the anxieties of needing to keep up and needing to do. Um, so I think, yeah, that that's the art is, it more has to do with awareness, I feel. And meditation is the perfect um, teacher for this. I feel like it's always like a mini reality of of the bigger picture Mm -hmm. of your normal life where your you know thoughts might be extremely loud and coming up quite a bit in a meditation but that doesn't mean the meditation's a failure you know like and in life you might be busy you might have these seasons that are hard but overall if you can have that space of awareness um just like you would in a meditation to not grab at the thoughts but just to watch them go all the Mm -hmm. way through like a cloud and even your stressful daily life tasks you're doing it but your awareness is is not stuck in it you know as above so below the meditation becomes a 
microcosm of the macrocosm where you practice. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. So there's an awareness that you can bring to your goals that helps you be less um, tightly wound and tightly bound. A loving awareness. Yeah. 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 So you can make deliberate, thoughtful, let's say business decisions that are aligned with your values, aligned with your goals, aligned with your vision, and it's less frantically attached to outcome and more thoughtfully uh, integrated to process. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So for me, when I try to boil it down for myself to like tease out a pattern or to try and help someone like work on it, it comes down to three things for me anyway, is attention, intention, action, Mm. um, inspired action. Uh, so attention is what, one of the things we can train in meditation, right? If, if your monkey mind is everywhere, um, how do you get through the householder things or the, the chop, carry wood, chop wood, carry water, Yeah. yeah, chop wood, carry water kind of things. Um, if you don't have any, uh, rain over your intention, but you don't want to f- struggle with that too much. And then intention, like that goal setting, it's more like planting a seed, uh, like uh, putting a theme out there or manifesting, um, this vision you have, and then taking inspired action without the, without too much of the hustle. It makes me think of, um, sort of criticisms of the secret because you use the word manifesting and it often yeah. calls to mind that book, the secret, that concept, the secret that took uh, Silicon Valley or Hollywood or whatever by storm. And yeah. It bugged me. <laughs> yeah. Didn't it? Like yeah. the idea that you could just sit around and, and uh, you know, hope for the, the million dollars or the partner or the Ferrari and it mm. would, and the universe would distill it upon you like manna from heaven. Um, it's <laughs> so, you know, thinking about what you want and, your goal, your trajectory is only the first step. It's not the last one. Yeah. Cause there is something very real about where your attention goes. Energy flows, right? Like mm. if you're, if you spend your time criticizing yourself, that's counterproductive rather, you know, if you spend your time, um, encouraging like positive things in your life or like, even if, whether it's a mantra or, uh, you know, a be here now or something like that, then it brings more of that into your life. But it's not without that inspired action component. Yeah, the secret, there's a lot of truth behind that. I know it's a little cheesy that Mm -hmm. that film you're talking about. But to be honest, that was uh, almost like my gateway into the path of meditation and psychedelics. I was kind of at a desperate uh, place with business going through one of my failures or uh, a stressful time where I was like anything, I I just need miracles. So I I started to, you know, do these guided meditations about manifesting. And, you know, a lot of it was with these money intentions behind it, which now it it doesn't feel right. Like going Mm. into that space, but I'm grateful that it kind of got me into this because that gradually transitioned to, you know, less of these, manifestation goal oriented oriented sessions in the morning about money to, Hey, let's practice meditation. I was starting to see other things pop up on my insight timer app. And, um, sure enough, over time, 
that's what led me into psychedelics, my first mm -hmm. psilocybin experience. So yeah, it, it's a lot different now, but practicing those same concepts from the secret, but with more pure intentions is yeah. powerful. I think that's yeah, a good point because that's, I look at how, you know, I entered, uh, the ayahuasca world. It was looking for more of a treatment tool and getting more than I bargained for with my own spirituality or like when I entered a yoga studio for the first time looking for a workout or looking to calm the nervous system and you, I got much more than I bargained for or how that happens time and time again. You might be moving into a meditation practice for, you know, you just want to work on your chronic pain or your anxiety and find a little bit of awakening. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. yeah. But there was moving, right? You went to the yoga studio. Mm -hmm. You went to ayahuasca. Yeah. You didn't just sit there and expect the universe to deliver it on your front door. Yeah. So there's there's the thoughtful manifesting where you're you're pointing mm -hmm. yourself in that direction, mm -hmm. a direction. And hopefully it's a, maybe it's a wide direction, you know, your your aperture yeah. is wide. And then you're saying yes to what the universe presents to you. But because you have in mind what you want and what you're going for, you also say no to things that are not consistent with your vision or not yeah. consistent with what you're trying to manifest. Mm -hmm. And it does seem to be, there seems to be a bit of a, a pattern or hero's journey with this uh, like awakening process and then going inward to do some deep work and then returning to like the the form or returning to the world and doing um, that work with a new perspective. Yeah, it's like almost after a very intense mystical experience, you're tempted to just get up and leave and be a monk or, or renunciate life. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of beauty in going back into the human form, into your in the world role and whatever this whole play of existence is. And, and having that different awareness, taking that experience with you back into the world, you know, and I think that's the work-life balance when you when you can enter that from a new awareness. So, Jerry, what does that look like for you? How has your work-life balance shifted as you've discovered plant medicine, had your experiences, and brought more of this awareness you're describing to your business? Yeah. So, a a lot of what changed for me was surrendering a lot of the sticky attachments to outcomes that I used to carry. It was a very heavy burden of trying to keep up and have a big house and all of this. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to desire that, but it didn't weigh on me as much after these psychedelic experiences. And, you know, also having a great support system, my wife and understanding that we're ride or die, no matter what, like it's more of a, a comfortable peaceful place to operate in and awareness to operate in, even in the chaos of business, you know, mm. it's, it's game changer. So yeah, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything, you know, like these psychedelic experiences are priceless for me with where I'm at. How, how has it impacted? You mentioned your wife and how pivotal it, it was and knowing you, of course, and her, I've been really, um, I've been really inspired by your journey together and I'm wondering, you know, how that's how plant medicines have impacted you two as a couple. Like in our relationship yeah, and marriage. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Like that's probably even more impactful. 
of an area of life than my work life with psychedelics. It's been amazing. Um, the biggest thing I think it's done for us is to um, give us both a lot more inner space in each other. And that the result of that is just um, being able to communicate so much better. You know, our walls have come down that we used to carry and communication is just so much more at ease and we flow when we have problems and it's not like we try and fix everything so quick like there might be a wall or two after an argument but it's they come down pretty easily now because of this new awareness i wonder you know how we talk about in psychedelics that the fear of death prevents us from living like say you're you're facing the end of your human existence here with like a serious life-threatening illness. Um, for many people, it's hard to relax into presence in that final chapter. Um, and I wonder if it plays in something you said about uh, uh, of trusting each other, that you're there for each other, and that you don't have to fix everything right away. You don't have to have all the answers has let you relax into your um journey together even more and more yeah it's totally way. like ebbs and flows i don't know if you've read the lyrics or listened to the lyrics of grow as we go that um yeah i can't remember who sang that but the guy from dear evan hansen uh, yeah so we it's almost like we take turns almost subconsciously where if i'm having a difficult week or month she's there holding space for me and then vice versa you know, we rarely ever fall apart at the same time. It's funny how that's working out, but it, it's, um, yeah, we, we grow as we go, like the song says. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like a growing process, um, and psychedelics have been a game changer for our marriage, hands down. So, Jerry, would it be accurate to say that part of the way that psychedelics have been a game changer is you've they've brought an awareness not only to the relationship itself, but an awareness to the way you are in the relationship and the way she is in the relationship. It's a humility about the way you can get selfish. Maybe it's a humility about, uh, an acceptance of your own needs in a relationship. Um, and then because you're calmer about your attachments, not so you're not clinging to them so tightly, it's easier for you to give space when she needs it. It's easier for you to, um, make sacrifices. If you even want to call them that to, uh, give her the benefit of the doubt. Would, so is it accurate to say psychedelics helped you with those changes? Yeah, definitely. And uh, the biggest part for me is it's shed a lot of light on areas that we've kind of hidden in ourselves for so many years. And this is both personally and in a, a relationship dynamic, but um, it really brings things to the surface, like shadow stuff that we didn't even realize was there. And the psychedelics have given us this, light and awareness to talk about this it it just the word that keeps coming to my mind is communication it just Mm -hmm. feels like it's a gateway into amazing communication for us your comment about shadow and and light um makes me think of a a carl jung quote that we've quoted on the podcast Mm -hmm. a bunch of times yeah i love you know if if uh if you don't make the unconscious conscious it'll dictate your life and you will call it fate (laughs) it's one of my favorites yeah yeah, it's. I was thinking the same thing when he talked about shadow. You're bringing that stuff that that has such a huge influence on our everyday life, our relationships, especially. You're bringing it into the light, so you can examine it with this loving awareness container, 
And that's uh, that's a recipe for amazing, like, enlightened progress together. Definitely. Yeah, certainly helps you create, you know, we've been talking about work-life balance, but um, when we, what, what falls under this category of life, right? It's certainly your relationships with your partner, with your children if you have them, with your friends, recreational activities, the things that aren't work. Um, but for you, it sounds like you've created a business that also overlaps a bit, right? You, It's a business that's, uh, it's a clothing business, but it's a clothing business with purpose. Yeah, just it allows me to kind of overlap a little bit mm-hmm. with the other areas of spiritual work and what I'm doing in my life with work, and I love that. Um, yeah, also the other business I mentioned, Flex Living, crosses well with fitness and that's another side that we need to balance in our lives our body is super important Um, yeah and yeah we tend to forget about our body when we get too busy with work too so for sure it's not just the relationships and the spirituality but also physical i think those are some of the big pillars that are crumbling when that balance is out of whack is we mentioned relationships we mentioned spirituality mentioned taking care of yourself, your health. Uh, So who are some of your teachers? You mentioned Alan Watts, Ram Dass. I'm wondering, uh, and you also mentioned the coaches you had that were maybe money-focused back in the day, but where have you landed on who inspires you, who you turn to now, like as far as gurus? Definitely evil (laughs) Ram Dass. No, the real Ram Dass is my... He's my teacher. Like he resonates with me so much. Uh, it's been a huge role in my spiritual path, and a lot of what's happened with psychedelics has shaken up my um, belief system. And you know, I was very religious growing up, and and um, naturally with with this path that I've been on, it's been the theme of it has been very open, open minded, and it's led me into. Uh, I guess a religion of no religions is where I'm at. And Ram Das is my favorite teacher. Um, Alan Watts also, although I, I like to listen to Alan Watts when I'm feeling more in my shadows, for some reason he speaks really well to mm-hmm. that part of me. Yeah. Especially if I'm maybe having a microdose of LSD at the moment or it, for some reason when I'm in that medicine, Alan Watts speaks to me. Yeah. He's a trip. He is a trip. He is an LSD trip. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, What do you think it is about Ram Dass? Like what does he embody or did he embody that resonates with you? I just feel like he's an honest mirror for everyone. Like he, a lot of teachers, sometimes you'll almost see it as a separation. Like, oh, there's somewhere I should be. I should be like that person. They have all the keys, the tools I'm going to learn. Ram Dass, there's something about him. Maybe he comes down to our level and acts as a mirror for my inner world. And yeah, yeah it's hard to explain, but yeah. do you feel that way about Ram Dass too? I, I do. I do. I think he's uh, resonated with both of us in a striking way. Um, and I mean, I've been listening to Alan Watts for deeply for even many more years than Ram Dass, but there's yeah. something about his journey. And I think, I think you're onto something 
for me as well with uh, how relatable, how authentic, how real, how human he is. Um, he he does tend to, he, he had this ability to stay in the world, not of the world, like you mentioned, or formless in form at the same time um, and embody this loving awareness, right? Yeah, both him and Alan Watts, I think, are huge instruments in bringing Eastern philosophy and spirituality to the West and helping us understand it and digest it. And that's where a lot of my belief system has wandered is more to the Eastern views as opposed to what I grew up with. Um, I'm not saying it'll always remain there, but that's where I'm at right now. A lot of people would say that those Eastern views are maybe less compatible with Western capitalistic entrepreneurial attitudes, you know? So it, it, as I think about your story, Jarrett's these these west or excuse me these eastern views spiritual views maybe are helping you strike that work life balance now because they've compensated or balanced out uh, your upbringing as a red blooded yeah. American who you know I mean it could be doing a disservice to the western hustle minded old Jer from years <laughs> ago but no I think it's a bigger picture now it's a bigger um, vision that yeah like I I feel like you can be doing both like in the world and not of the world. And to me, like the full Buddhist renunciate path, obviously that's not going to mesh with what I'm doing right now with shroom beach and trying to grow businesses. But the way that Ram Dass and Alan Watts brought those concepts to us Westerners that are so used to thinking linearly of, you know, I have to make it to this, to make it to that, to achieve this, to eventually get, it's just an endless line Whereas the Eastern, to me, it's a little bit more of a circle. It's more cyclical, and like the seasons. And I feel like business can be taken in that way, too, as opposed like, you know, there's something said to be thinking of your exit plan or the end game, but I don't know. I don't like to think about that lately. I'm, it's a different space. And like I said, I could be not the one to seek advice as an entrepreneur right now, but this podcast is about the balance and I'm here yeah. to shed some light on the, the other side of where I'm headed. And, and that, uh, <laughs> that attitude is, I think an important one to point out as well is that I may not have all the answers, but, but I think we're asking you because you have had this journey through entrepreneurship with multiple successes and by many definitions, even kind of Western success. You have uh, more than one like well-producing business that uh, lines up in many ways with your purpose and interests. And and uh, so I think that's uh, really neat to surround it with a disclaimer that I may have no idea what I'm talking about, but, uh, but these are important concepts and something I think the Western world struggles with big time, that, like, that yeah. hustle. I, m- I remember like rewind my journey uh five ten years when i i was way more often found burning the midnight oil chasing kind of work deadlines and projects and but who really ends up uh like on their deathbed or like around the time of their funeral saying like i wish that uh i had worked more or that (laughs) i worried more why didn't i worry more more time at the office (laughs) yeah yeah, there are no trailers attached to hearses. You can't take it with you. But yet I'm glad I have put, you know, a lot of energy into 
working on things that I believe in and, and helping bring them to fruition. That's given me a lot of meaning too. And also given me a lot of fuel as a, as a parent and in so many other ways in my life. Yeah. Yeah. When you're attached to something that matters to you, then I think of, uh, I can't remember if we've talked about this in the podcast, but the idea of clean burning fuel and, and uh, dirty burning fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe your your dirty fuel is your insecurities. Dad never loved me, so I'm going to show him, quote unquote him, by, you know, being this famous or having this much monetary success. And that insecurity is, it's a, it's a fuel. Like, it can burn real hot, but it's a dirty yeah. fuel. Dirty in the sense that there's, uh, collateral damage for using your insecurities as fuel. And then there's a, there's a quote unquote cleaner burning fuel. And that's, you know, I really want to make a difference in the lives of this particular set of human beings, or, uh, I want to put something out there that elevates society. Um, or, you know, I just, I, I want to grow this so that I can, um, not have to worry so much financially and be present for my kids. Right. There can be lots of examples of quote unquote clean burning fuels. Yeah, I like that analogy quite a bit, actually, because I do think a lot about the karmic uh, effects or consequences of all of our actions and how, you know, if you rewind again to that five or 10 year ago point in my journey, I wasn't paying attention to like the environmental impact of the business or home life, but Now, uh, thanks in large part to plant medicine journeys and awareness and, uh, um, you know, this new perspective I have, you know, it all matters, but not in a way that's, that adds any kind of worry. It just, it just matters, you know, it matters and you kind of sense into the impact that we each have on each other in, you know, for in the ripple effects can be positive or negative. Yeah. Yeah, that sense of of oneness that is so common after yeah. psychedelic experiences, um, it it keys our minds into uh, impacts, both environmental. I mean, we have all these funny terms for for people who were into psychedelics way back that date way back to the '60s, like hippies and tree huggers, and and a lot of them very tree drug-tree. huggers. <laughs> <laughs> we hugged a tree. Yeah, it's it's because it, they help you care. It's easy to stop caring in today's day and age. Thank you, dear listener, for listening. It means a lot to me. Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers is brought to you by Novamind, a mental health company that specializes in psychedelic medicine and research. You can learn more about Novamind's mission to increase access to legal, safe, and evidence-based psychedelic medicine at novamind.ca. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to listen or watch. Also, if you're feeling generous today, please leave us a glowing review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. If you'd like to reach out to us with questions, suggestions, scathing criticisms, etc., please email us at psychfrontiers at novamind.ca. Thanks again. Hey listeners, it's Steve Thayer here, letting you know that Numinous offers unique training opportunities for mental health practitioners to develop their skills and expertise in offering psychedelic-assisted therapy to clients. These courses are carefully crafted by Numinous professionals like myself, Reed, Joe, and others, and offer a variety of high-quality learning experiences. So, if you would like to learn more about these trainings, you can find the link in the show notes below, 
or you can visit numinous.com forward slash training. That's numinous.com forward slash training. The content of this podcast does not constitute medical advice or mental health treatment. Consult with a medical or mental health professional if you believe you are in need of mental health treatment.